0: Welcome to Feeding 2030, a podcast about climate change and its impact on food. Today we're going to be talking about one of your favourite topics. Now, what was that again, Izzy? Well, obviously it's going to get hotter, which is going to
1: affect the cows. We can't have as many cows surviving through the heat. And um, if I can't have cheese, I'm not sure that I'm going to survive.
0: Hmm, and I think someone else mentioned cheese before too. I dream about food. I'm not sure if anyone else has had those food dreams where you wake up and you're like, a beautiful feast of cheese. So today we're going to talk a little more seriously about dairy and the impact that climate change is going to have on it and is already having on it and perhaps the impact that it's going to have on the towns around the dairy farms. According to a recent Appetite for Change report, heat waves can reduce milk production by between 15 and 20% and in extreme heat waves, it reduces it by up to 40%. Now, cows require a lot of water, and that's one thing that our next guest knows a lot about.
2: So my name's Jason Smith, and I'm a fifth-generation dairy farmer, originally from north, northern Victoria, around um, the Gumbau-Kahuna district, um, irrigation district, and but recently moved due to climatic uh, conditions to southern Victoria, a little place called Simpson in the southwest, uh, where we've getting higher rainfall. I milk approximately 220 to 240 stud Jersey and Illawarra dairy cows and the the current property is 530 acres which is undulating perennial pasture based seasonal calving we calve twice a year system.
0: Now when Jason talks about a pasture based system he's talking about the grass that's already there and the the types of grass and other crops that they grow for the cows to graze on. And by seasonal, he means, seasonal calving system, he means that the cows carve all at the same time when the cows are meant to carve, which can make for some pretty hard work. Next I asked Jason what sort of things he needs to make his farm run. What does he actually have to buy into the farm that's not already there?
2: When I was farming up in northern Victoria, Major inputs into the farmers' irrigation water, yep. and it was due to vast increase in the price of irrigation water and, in fact, availability the last season that I decided that uh, because I don't own um, permanent water, so some uh, some farms have a water allocation and yep. uh, they've had that for over a hundred years and they get a um they get that water each year as a young farmer starting out on my own i had no water and i had to buy it on the temporary market and so it was very expensive and and the variability with that is i bought water for $13 and towards the end i bought it for $350 and so it um uh, that was the decision. Why I decided to to change um and move five hours south, so there's less inputs down here um we still we still have both organic and synthetic fertilizers we apply to the farm we I do import fodder in the form of hay and uh, uh and also uh stock feed pallets but uh, everything else is grown on the farm. So we, we grow all our own silage and, uh, and, and grass, obviously, um, for the cows.
0: So I wanted to ask Jason Moore about this move. He was living up around the Murray last time I saw him, which is the north of Victoria, and Simpson's way down in the southwest. So it's a long move, and I wanted to know what impact that was having on him and his community
1: to put it into perspective. So you're saying you moved five um, hours away from where you were originally farming, and had your fifth generation. Is that right? Yes. So how many? It was a big decision. Yeah, it is. I was going to say that's a that's a really big decision. Like in terms of adapting, it's probably a great idea. But so your family's all from around there. Did you know anyone in the area that you moved to?
2: I had some friends from university, and I had worked on a farm down here so I was aware of the climatic conditions. In saying that, when when I did move down, they were having a particularly dry year as well. And, um, of course, uh, down here, you don't have the option to irrigate even if you have the money to buy the irrigation water. You just have to deal with it and keep trucking in hay. But since then, it it hasn't stopped raining and it's one of the wettest years they've had down here. And... And we deal with different uh, with the different climatic conditions. We deal with different issues, different pest mm. diseases in the pasture, and also different uh, ailments to the cows. We have uh, some foot problems with all the water around there. Our- <laughs> yeah. So uh, each area has its pluses and-, and minuses.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but I was just thinking in terms of um, if we have everyone moving around, there's going to be huge um, social impacts as well as. Well, I mean, as opposed well to people adapting to different areas as well. There,
2: as well. There, there already is huge social impact. Where I used to farm, the, it used to be the highest density of outdoor housed cows in the world. Um, and now there is but a fraction of the dairy farms that were originally there still operating. And so during the last major drought in the 2000s, and uh, there was approximately 30% of the farms shut down in the area. Just going through the um, tough times recently, with with large milk price drops yeah. and also um, a couple of dry seasons the last couple of years, have lost another ten percent. So there is um, almost you know getting up towards fifty percent less mm-hmm. farmers between uh, in that uh, northern irrigation district um, as they w- as there was sort of fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah,
1: so that's that's a huge impact. That's that's one of the impacts that we don't really think about when we think about food. I mean, you know, you've got to think about the people who grow it as well.
0: Exactly. Um, just think about that for a minute. Jason has said that about 50% of the farmers have left the industry in his area. They're just not there. Think about 50% of the people in your neighbourhood or your town or your suburb just leaving because their jobs are unviable. That's not just houses and people being around, that's 50% of your local footy club, or 50% of the shops, or 50% of any of the social supports that you rely on to keep you sane. How do you think your community would cope? How do you think you would survive if 50% of your workplace left, or 50% of your university disappeared? This is having a huge impact on rural Australia, which we know is already disadvantaged and already taking the brunt of climate impacts a recent climate institute report reported on how just how much of an impact climate change is going to have on these communities so next i asked jason about what other impacts climate change was having on his farm and what measures he'd taken to deal with it
2: yeah look we um so back in the back home we looked into changing our irrigation infrastructure to minimise the amount of water that we needed. And so through government grants and through uh, Murray-Darling Basin reform, uh, we were able to put in pipe-and-rise irrigation and also um, uh, reuse systems so water was not uh, ran off into the environment and was returned yeah. and reused. And um, and that did, certainly did help a lot. Um, I think more money needs to be going into that to ensure efficiency on farms rather than um, than buying back water for the environment. Because if you can uh, get farms more efficient, you will be able yeah. to uh, get water that way for the environment. Down here, uh, we certainly uh, have to think about when the rain is going to fall. Uh, um, not necessarily that it will or won't fall, which is a bit up up north. That's more of an issue. Down here, (laughs) it's changing around when it will fall. And so um, instead of permanent uh, pasture, grass species, all year round uh, over Mm -hmm. the whole farm, uh, there's often uh, we put in different crops during the summer and that to maintain the feed for the cows. It's a little bit of extra work, but um, it ends up being very cost-effective because you're not tracking in the, those feed resources.
1: The planning and um, sort yeah. of pasture selection kind of issue? Yes,
2: and yeah. And, yeah. and also, you know, with different things happening around the world, you know, with other countries' climates and stuff, it can affect our um, input costs in relation to synthetic fertilisers and things, um, uh-huh. which are often made in other countries. So the climates in other countries can affect directly our agricultural production as well. So our fertiliser application, um, method, quantity, uh, type of fertiliser is all really looked at annually, um, if not more often, to maximise the benefits in an ever-tightening financial environment.
0: Being a science communicator, I was curious to find out where Jason got his information about climate change from. Was there one united voice? Were farmers left to figure it out? Or was it all a bit ad hoc? So I was really interested in what Jason had to say.
2: And so we, um, within the dairy industry, we have uh, a body uh, which we all can put levies towards, and that is the uh, Dairy Australia, who has a environment division. And okay. they quite often put out studies and yeah, information packs and and uh, um they remain independent of governments so they're yes. not um they're not going along with whatever the particular party that's in at that time are pushing um they yes. and, and um they gather information as much as they can and pass that on to us um yes. uh, along with that of course i i read i yes different studies that come out. I, I watch um uh different T V shows, documentaries on yep. different things. And um and also speak to different um advisors and agronomists and different things to see what, what their thoughts are about you know what what they're hearing as well. So um and um that's where I get most of my information from. Yeah. Well there's there is sometimes a mixed message that you get from some more conservative um aspects of the industry perhaps, um and different things i mean farming is uh you know it's a such a cyclical uh industry and we yeah. all we you know but it, what a lot of people argue is that it is cyclical and that it'll all come around and the thing and those sorts yeah. of things but what's getting harder is that those cycles are taking longer. and the extremes are far greater and and that's what people are finding um so so when you have the hot dry spells we've always had the hot dry spells but they're going for six years Mm -hmm. instead of instead of two years or something you know and 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 so um it's a matter of um filtering um the grain from the chaff in 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 that information that you're getting from and, and just Trying to be as prepared as possible—that's probably one thing mm. that we that we have to do more now than we've ever had to do before. And that is try and have um, feed available, um, um, excess feed in case we go into a dry time, um, yep. more, more than we ever have. Try and be as flexible as you possibly can in relation to your business size and shape. So be able to um, unload excess animals quickly if it comes in dry uh, and these sorts of things um, to to enable that flexibility um, that the environment might throw up. Um, Like I said, down here it rains a lot more and my input costs are less, but however, if it decides to stop raining, there is no way that I can buy irrigation water to irrigate. Um, That's it, it dries up, so I've got to be ready for these, these things.
0: To finish, I asked Jason about his future and what he wanted, and I also asked him if he had a message for the rest of Australia, for the non-farming Australia, about what farmers are doing for climate change.
2: I love farming. I, I, yep. I love doing it. It is, it is an economically—it's hard work. It's—it's—it's it's, it's economically is a good career, but I there is some tough times, and just and just in relation to climate. Is, is for to let people know that the farmers are trying to be as efficient as we can with the resources yep. that we are provided. One, to, to protect the environment as best we can, and two, um, yep. because if we don't, we won't be farming uh, for very much longer. And yep. so I would like the general uh, community to stop thinking that um, farmers are the environmental vandals and, and contributing to climate change when most of the time Going along and trying to, to to mitigate it and do our best to produce high quality uh, and larger larger and larger amounts of food on yes. smaller amounts of arable land, off less water, and uh, overall doing a damn good job at doing it.
0: Before we go today, we're going to hear what Jason has to say about what food means to him. But before we go, I'd like to thank the Duck Down Pickers once again for their very very generous use of their music for our intro and outro. Don't forget to like our page at Feeding2030 on Facebook and at www.feeding2030.com and we're also on Twitter as Feeding2030. Thanks once again and we'll be back soon.
2: I think it helps Kate that I've travelled overseas and been to third world countries where food means a lot more to those people and so I've I've come back here come back to Australia believing that that we as as Australians do not know how lucky we are we do not pay enough for, for our food considering the effort that farmers go to putting into it Me, uh, um most people don't think a second thought about going to the supermarket market and getting foods that are um that are out of season that have been uh, shipped from uh, Canada or America or, or those sorts of things. Uh, all these food miles and things like that—we think about that—that affects the climate. Um, I suppose I like to think that if you can look as locally as you possibly can, uh, and and support your local uh, farms uh, is is certainly the best way to go about it. You'll get the best quality food for your family. And you'll also be helping the livelihood of hard working good people. Mount corn, bread, butter beans, and you across the table. Eating beans and making love as long as I am able. Pulling corn and cotton too,
0: and when the day is over, right new you, your craze pool and love again.